Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, gold Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989-898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989-898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989 with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989-898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. The audience that follows this show quite uh, dramatically and religiously for so many years is a huge voting block. It's a monster voting block that is recognized even by the President of the United States. Now, how do I know that? I'll tell you in a few minutes. I'll tell you a few things in a few minutes. But the first question I'm going to ask you because I want you to call is, who do you think will be the Dem nominee? Will it be the communist Sanders? Will it be, how did I put it? I got to make sure I'm using the same lingo I used on uh, my posting just before the show. Will it be, who will the Dem nominee be? The Dem nominee, Ukraine Joe, new name. Let's see who steals it first. Naked commie Sanders. I call him the seltzer man cometh, but that's too obscure. Most people don't know what seltzer is. Mean-faced Warren or howdy duty Pete. Who do you think will be the Dem nominee facing Donald Trump? Ukraine Joe, um, Kami Sanders, Meanie Warren, or Howdy Doody Pete? I'd like you to call on that at 855-407-282. Something happened after my show yesterday. I get off the air, and the phone rang, my iPhone, and it was the President of the United States. Now you say, oh, how do we know that's true? We'll just have to take my word for it. How's that? Now, I'm not at liberty to discuss what we discussed, but I will tell you what he said with regard to the radio show, because that's all that matters. He said, Michael, you know, he talks to me like he knows me, because I don't know, he has a familiarity probably as a a, a method of reaching people, but I get a feeling, and frankly, from people I know who know him, he actually likes me, and I'll tell you more about that in a minute. It's important to me in many ways. And he said to me, I saw your talk stream live, your TSL 
ratings. He said, I cannot believe how great that is. He didn't say, I cannot believe. Those are in his words. He said, congratulations on those huge numbers. Now, who is TalkStream Live? They sampled 36 million listeners during 2019, and they produced the Power 50 report. And Rush Limbaugh was the top talk show, and I was number two. Now, the lesser lights, the copycats, those who came along and copied everything I did and everyone else, or uh, quote George Washington every day and make you think they're a genius, they will say the reason Savage is so high is because he's not on so many stations anymore. He used to be. They took him off some big stations. Well, that's a lie, of course, as you would expect from paid liars. Because if that were true, Limbo wouldn't be number one. Limbo's on more stations than anyone, and he's number one in the most listened to streaming talk show hosts. So how am I number two if I don't have all these big stations? Because people are listening around the world. So number one, Limbaugh. Number two, Savage. Number three, Hannity. Then there's guys, I mean, Clyde Lewis, I don't know who he is. Chris Plant, don't know who he is. Glenn Beck is number seven. George Nury, number eight. Howie Carr, number nine. Hugh Hewitt, number 10. Dennis Prager, 11. Um, little Benny Shapiro comes in at number 14, even though he seemed to be the salvation for uh, radio. I don't know how that happened. God bless him. I had him in my house. I don't understand it. Uh, I don't understand people's tastes, but, you know, <laughs> every, to each his own, as my mother would say, to each his own. Brian Kilmeade, 15. Alex Jones, great guy, 17. Larry Elder, 19. Uh, John Batchelor, 21. I'm just reading some names you may know. Then we go all the way down the list to a guy, Armstrong Getty, great local hosts, nice people, 31. Uh, Lars Larson used to be a fill-in host for me, 36, never went anywhere. Buck Sexton, 37. Uh, uh, Brian Sussman, 38. Jim Bohannon, wonderful man on late nights on Cumulus, 39. Been around a long time. Uh, Joe Piscopo is number 42, et cetera. I don't have to read the rest of them. The point is that there were 36 million people who were listened to. They sampled 36 million listeners during 2019 to produce the Power 50 report. The president got the report. The president of the United States of America read the report. He took time out to phone yours truly and say, Michael, first of all, congratulations on your ratings. That is fantastic. It's wonderful. And then we went into stuff I will not discuss. He asked how my family was, specifically, both members of the family that he knows. How are they? How's their health? How's everybody? You say, oh, he's just talking. Well, I don't know. He remembers these things. In the middle of a war, in the middle of this, in the middle of impeachment, he takes the time out to call Michael Savage. And I was very, very impressed with his knowledge of the numbers. That was the part that got to me. Congratulates me on the streaming numbers. And what we talked about after that is, is confidential. I will not disclose it. I did not ask him when he coming on the show. I didn't pander to him. If he wants to come on the show, believe me, he knows how to reach me. If he doesn't, though, there's a reason for it. He wants to go on Bermuda Shorts' show, good luck to him. The worst picture in the history of man is Rush Limbaugh in a pair of colorful shorts. I don't know why a man would pose in that. First of all, most men don't look good in shorts. He looks awful in shorts. Why would he post that picture of himself in, 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 in rainbow shorts? What is the subtle message of Limbaugh in rainbow shorts? On, on the Drudge Report. As uh, some of the wise guys said in The Godfather, uh, a man doesn't wear shorts, especially in public. 
Maybe if you're in a bedroom with your wife, you wear shorts. Or you're out in a ball field. Nevertheless, good luck to him. He's been around a long time. I'm not a big fan of his. He's a derivative talk show. He's never had an original idea in his life. But okay, people love him. He's my lead-in, so I support him. There's a lot of other stories I want to talk about. But the main one is who do you think will be the Dem nominee? Uh, Sanders, Biden, Monhoff, Warren, Ukraine, Joe. I like Ukraine, Joe. Somehow I think that's going to stick. Howdy Doody, uh, Buttigieg, I don't think is going to get too far. He looks like, just looks weird. Forget the sexuality. I don't care, but he's not. Look, let, let's say I do care. Let, let me say I do care. No, America may have moved to the left slightly. They're not ready for two men in the Lincoln bedroom. Can I put it that way? I hope I'm not offending you. I said America's not ready for two men in the Lincoln bedroom. They're not ready for a man first lady. This is not Austin, Texas. This is not Berkeley, California. This is not the uh, West Hollywood. It's America. It's different. Speaking of which, there was a very sad story in the paper this morning. Uh, uh, Ron Burkle, who's a big friend or was a close friend of Bill Clinton, partied together for years. Supermarket, the billionaire. I don't know the people. His son was found dead in Beverly Hills. Can you believe this? Deepest regrets. We announced that. You know, it's unbelievable. Twenty-six-year-old kid, a producer. Father is rich guy, co-owner of the NHL's Pittsburgh Penguins, an investor of Sacramento's Major League Soccer team. Big man, Andrew Burkle. Big day, uh, entertainment guy. And they found his son. You know, that, look, this could happen in any family. It's terrible. And suicide, by the way, is on the increase in America. The suicide rates are are spiking, as are homicide rates. I have my own theory as to why suicide rates are spiking, especially amongst white males. And they're not all sociological, they're pharmacological. And the problem is is that the doctors are too quick to prescribe Prozac-like compounds, and I've studied them since the 80s, and I will tell you right now, there are many, many, and too many examples of these rebound depressions. Yeah, maybe they suppress depression for a while, uh, the serotonin reuptake inhibitors, I get it. But at a certain point, you got to pay the piper and there's not enough serotonin and your brain just crashes and, and that's the end of the road. It's too dark. A lot of suicides from this. I don't know whether this young man was on those. It's pure speculation. But it's with express sadness that I say that billionaire Burkle's uh, son found dead at Beverly Hills home because it, you know, it could strike any family and it probably has. How many of you listening to this show have had suicide strike you. I mean, I don't want you to call and all of that, right? But you have. Suicide is, is, is everywhere. And uh, it relates to something I'm going to get to in a minute, which is the lack of God. I am telling you that the only thing that can save the West is a return of a worship and a belief in a higher power, meaning God. Nothing else is going to save America or the country. Nothing. You know, there's a lot of people who are so-called political conservatives, and I'm sure they are who like the idea that others go to a church, but they don't. They lament the emptying out of the churches. They say, oh, look at that, the church is empty. It's nothing but a drunk tank now. Do they go on Sunday? They don't go anymore. Churches are emptying out. They're filling up with illegal aliens, which is why, of course, the Catholic Church in particular covets uh, the illegal alien, you know. But I got to tell you this. There's a lot of things I got to tell you today that are related and not related. First of all, let me get back to the top. Who do you think will be the Dem nominee? And number two, President Trump called me to congratulate me. The funny thing is it was, oh, I get off the air here at two. 
I'm on noon to two on the West Coast, of course, three to five on the East. It must have been about 15 after the hour. His assistant had called me in the morning, and we set up the time. He actually called me a minute to, to noon just before I went on the air. He asked for my cell number, and they lost it. And uh, so I set it up. I said, look, I'm off the air at five your time. So I'm on my bicycle after the show, just pedaling around. I, the phone rang. I said I knew it had to be. I pick it up. It's a 202 number. And, uh, of course, I knew who it was. But I said, hi, who's this? Michael, it's Donald Trump. I want to congratulate you on your streaming ratings. That is awesome. That is just great. How are you doing? Right into all the details. So, you know, that's like winning the Nobel Prize if you're in a, another field. You say, oh, come on. I'm telling you right now. You know, prize winning is about adulation as much as anything else. Do you understand that? That winning a prize is about getting people to clap for you and applaud you in an audience. We all want it, especially people who produce things, whether it be a broadcast or a book or an academy. You want the adulation of an audience, right? You want adulation. You want recognition. Does it get any higher than the president of the United States admiring your work? Tell me, does it? You could be cynical and say anything you want, but it doesn't. To me, it was like winning the Nobel Prize. And I'm very happy to tell you that he's a very down-to-earth guy. Nothing else will be said about this call other than in the middle of this 12 to 15-minute call, I, I said something to you. He's, oh, listen to this. This is important. I was telling Jim about it. He said, Michael, you've been with me from the beginning. He said, way from the beginning. He said, I know who, who was and who wasn't. He knows about the Johnny-come-latelys. He knows those who supported all the others because he knows that they could turn on him on a dime. He knows that. He didn't get where he is by trusting everybody. The thing he knows about me is I don't need anything from him and I don't want anything from him. The others probably are coveting something. He can smell that from a mile away. But let them live with it. I don't have to live with what the other person wants. It's their, it's their karma, not mine, right? So he says to me, you were with me from the beginning. I said, look, President Trump. Oh, and then he said something else that I can tell you. He said, I have friends who listen to you all the time. And he said, they tell me you're supporting me great. That's wonderful. And I, he said, I can't listen to you anymore. I'm not in a car like I used to be. He used to listen to my show in a car in New York. I remember particularly, he loved to drive around in his limo and listen to the Savage Nation when I was on WABC. So he's now I can't listen anymore. I don't have the time. He said, my friends listen. They say, you're just great. So I want you to know that, of course, the most powerful man in the world knows what people are saying about him, whether they're whispering it or saying it. He also knows who supported him from the beginning and who were Johnny-come-latelys. And he also knows who could stab him in the back tomorrow if the wind blows the other way. He knows all of it. So in the middle of it, I said, look, President Trump, I got to tell you, the reason I support you so much is because of the hot dog you gave me on Air Force One. I got to tell you, I got to laugh out of him. In the middle of all the tension he's under, I got to chuckle out of this most important man in the world. He said, that was great, wasn't it? We got to do it again. I said, yeah, I particularly like that hot dog with you on the, on the airplane. And I'll leave it at that. The rest was very personal and very touching. I'll be back in a moment. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. So President Trump called me to congratulate me on my streaming numbers. I broke the ratings down. And who do you think will be the damn nominee? Bernie the commie, Ukraine Joe, or, or someone else is the main question. I look at some of these crazy news stories, right? Take. Um, Harvey Weinstein, DA has humiliating naked pics of Harvey. I think I would suffer from hysterical blindness if I ever saw 
uh, Harvey Weinstein's naked pictures. I mean, I, I couldn't look at them. That's personally. The stories are crazy, and it's the lack of God. Muslim leader in Texas charged with molesting kids. He was hired to teach Quran. All right, so they got one now. You thought it was only the Catholics. Uh-uh. I don't know. A lot of religions have these pervs. Parents of man killed on gruesome grinder date to cry evil murder. I mean, that story is the worst of all of them. A guy goes on a grinder date. A grinder is for gays. And this guy stabs him in the back, hangs him, and eats his testicles. Cuts him off. And I don't know if he cooked them, but he ate them. Okay, now that's a crazy story. How do things, how are we reverting now to cannibalism and such sickness? How? Because God is dead. See, um, Brian Stelter and those at CNN killed God. And the entire Democrat Party has stepped on God's ashes and scattered them to the four corners of the wind. Bernie Sanders is running as a naked communist, atheist, hates God, makes believe he, yeah, the whole thing. None of them give a rat's behind about religion or God. So President Trump does go to church. You say, well, he's an adulterer. He did this. He did that. Well, I'm imperfect. I know maybe you aren't, but I'm, I'm, I'm not a perfect man. But Trump at least puts out the message that God is good, God is great, and religion is good. And we have a country that has lost its, its roots. I have in my hands something that I have to read to you, but of course I'm already out of breath with the breaks and the ding jingles and the bangles, and I can't do it. I can't even build up an idea now. I need at least the 40 minutes to talk to you about what I'm going to do now. So I'll give you a hint. I have in my hand the first prayer that a religious Jew says in the morning. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not religious. But I have the first prayer that a religious Jewish man or woman reads in the morning. And it relates to something directly related to what we're talking about. It's not moralistic. It's very medical. How did the Jews know about these things prior to anatomical studies? Well, I guess hunting, warfare. Well, you're not going to believe this morning blessing when I come back. And I will show you why we need to be rooted in the teachings of God to survive what's coming in this world. Michael Savage, a host like no other. You know, the world is sick. It really is. It's getting more depraved by the second. I mean, there's always been crazy things in the world. You know, I grew up reading the Daily News, the New York Post, the New York. I saw hairstylists killed, testicles eaten by grinder date from hell. Killed bacon by stabbing him in the back, slitting his throat, cut off his testicles and ate them. How is this nation degenerating so quickly into the abyss? The lack of God. There's no teaching. First, they took the Ten Commandments out of the schools, and you didn't complain because you thought it was too Christian. And then when your son started using drugs, you didn't know the connection between a lack of faith or a belief in a higher power and a loss of self. You didn't know any of that. You still don't because the media uh, and the government media complex is one and the same by and large. So again, I want to go back to what I was saying without getting too preachy. So a religious Jew... Many of you are not Jewish, of course. Most of you are. There's very few numbers of Jews in the country. But let's say even if you are Jewish, you see these religious people in the black clothes being beaten up by teens uh, in New York in particular, and you have pity for them, and you don't want it to go on. You know they're good people by and large. They're trying to follow God's way. They're, 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 they're saintly people, most of them. A lot of them are bad apples in the mix. Some of them are. I know that. I know the swindlers the types, the welfare swindling. I know it all, trust me. But by and large, 
They're trying to follow God's way, okay? So they wake up in the morning, and the first prayer they read is, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, Baruch who has formed man in wisdom and created within him numerous orifices and cavities. It is revealed and known before the throne of your glory that if but one of them were to be blocked or one of them were to be opened, it would be impossible to exist even for a short while. Blessed are you, Lord, Blessed are you, Lord, who heals all flesh and performs wonders. So what does that do for a man when he's forced to consciously remember that with each breath, with each breath, the breath can be taken away from him? Why? What is this? Why is the religious Jewish person taught to be so conscious of this? Well, the fact of the matter is, it's to remind us that over all of us is a higher power who some call God and that you can't hide from him. No matter what you do, no matter where you do it, he sees all. The Holy One stands over us, observes our actions, and as it is written, can a man hide in a secret pl- can a man hide in secret places that I shall not see him, says the Lord. Do I not fill the heavens and the earth? Jeremiah twenty three, twenty four. What does it mean? Well, whatever it means, it teaches you, listen to this. It gives you a sense of reverence, it gives you a sense of humility, and it teaches you to have a sense of shame before God. Now those are considered evil words today, the sense of shame. Hasn't the left taught us to, you know, if it feels good, do it. Why not do it in the road? Then you wind up eaten by a grinder guy. Okay? Why just do it in the road? It's all, all natural, man. Just Of course, it could happen on the other side of the aisle. The heteros are murderers, too. We know that more them than the others. The point is, is that when you have no God, you could do anything. When there's no sense of, you know, beyond that. All right, it's enough preaching. I know you don't like this. Most of you don't like the preachy stuff. So I'll tell you a religious joke. There's a, a Muslim fellow. He's actually, I can't say, he owns a wonderful restaurant in San Francisco. I haven't seen him in years. So I was talking with him once, oh, years ago, and he, he, he says to me, did you hear the saying that Muslims starve when Jews fast? I cracked up laughing. It's the funniest thing I've ever heard. He's a restaurant guy. He owns a big restaurant. He happens to be a Muslim. He's a Muslim like a fallen Catholic as a Catholic. They, 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 it is, that's their culture, cultural religious thing. Most of the people who are Islamic in the country, they don't know, they don't know walk around with the, the burqas looking to blow you up. But this is a modern man who says Muslims starve when Jews fast, which is very funny and true because Jews are big restaurant goers, especially in big cities. That's the joke. Is, does this joke play outside of the New York City? Does it play west of the Hudson River? Does anyone understand me in San Francisco? Do I have to translate it in smoke signals? Hello, is there anyone in San Francisco listening who got the joke? Muslims starve when Jews fast. Sometimes I wonder, does anyone have a sense of humor anywhere in the world anymore? I'm not going to sit here and talk about impeachment and, and, and Donald Trump versus this. How much can I take of this? I, I'm not going to do it. What else? I have lots of these other stories. So I'll take some calls, then i got to play something from Bernie Sanders that you got to hear. See, I have said Bernie Sanders is the most dangerous political figure in American history, and I mean it. It's because he looks harmless. He looks like a nice old grandpa who wants to do good for all. He's a naked monster. He's the type that leads to the death of millions. Ask those who lived in Cambodia, communist China, or the Soviet Union. Some of them look just like Bernie, nice, kindly, grandfatherly types. They aren't the ones who put you in the camps. 
they're not the ones who uh, beat you to death, but the followers do. We know that they're out in the street. The proto-murderers are out there. They're called anti-fascists, but they're the, the murderers and the killers. So who is Bernie Sanders? In 1988, he goes to the Soviet Union and he praises their communist youth programs. Wait. In 1985, the naked communist, the bum from the Upper West Side, that Brooklyn bum, celebrates the communist regime in Nicaragua. He's invited by the Sandinistas to speak in Nicaragua after they overthrew the government. Listen to what Bernie Sanders said in in clip B3. Listen to this. In terms of the United States' relationship to Nicaragua, of course, has nothing to do with Nicaragua. The nature of the conflict that now exists is based on the fact that for the last 150 years or so, the United States government, in its wisdom, has decided that Latin America should be a colony of the United States government, and that countries which attempt to stand up and do things for their own people mm-hmm. rather than for American corporations oh, are not go. to be tolerated. What's going on in Nicaragua today, it's not important to get into all the details no, no. of whether the Sandinistas are right or wrong on this issue. No, no. If we no. understand that in the last 30 years, the United States has overthrown governments in Guatemala, Dominican Republic, Right. They murdered Salvador Allende in Chile. Right, all communist killers. Overthrown the government of Grenada. Right, killers. They attempted to overthrow the government of Cuba. Killers. Overthrow a government of Brazil. Killers. And now they are attempting to overthrow the government of Nicaragua. So, the basic crime well, we being enough. committed by the He's people... He's a naked of... communist, classic soapbox Marxist, the type that used to be seen in Union Square in New York City screaming about the wonders of Marxism. People would walk by and laugh at them. The pigeons would crap on them as they flew overhead. They always had a tuna fish stain in the lapel of their brown suit because they couldn't even afford to go to a little teeny restaurant. They were jealous of everybody. Anyone who had nicer shoes, a nicer car, and a nicer wife, they wanted to kill them. So they preached communism. They're going to take over the world. Everyone laughed at them. Everyone knew the type. There was always a loser uncle like that in the family. Luckily, we didn't have one. We had, I had people that were never communists in the family. Uh, but we had people a little marginal on the socialist side. They were poor, and they would. Uh, I had a smart uncle though. He would say to me, "Look, Michael, uh, first year I went to college at Queens College. I came back with some of this nonsense in my head, taught by the commie teachers." My uncle would say to me, "Michael," he would say it with a smile. He never got mad. He said, "Here's the way I see it." He was a World War II um, Air Force vet, Saul, great guy, and he said, "Michael," he said with a smile. Always smile. I love that uncle. He said, the way I see it, he said, even if there's a revolution, the same people who are on top now will be on top after the revolution. They'll run the communist government. In other words, power is power. And the people who are powerful are going to end up running the communist government. See, that's what he said. But in our system, we have checks and balances. In those systems, there are no checks and balances. It's pure tyranny. That's why Bernie Sanders and the other communists want a government that is not of the people, by the people, and for the people, but one that stands over the people and runs the people. You get it? Okay. That's not to say there are not problems that need solving. I would break up big tech. I have said it. I was the first one in the radio to talk about breaking up the big tech. Uh, The fact is Zuckerberg is too rich. You say, "Is, is he too rich? It's not that he's too rich. It's a monopoly. It's not about his wealth. It's about the monopoly of Amazon. It's about the monopoly of Facebook. It's about the monopoly of Microsoft. It's about the monopoly of a company. There is an antitrust division. 
in the U.S. Justice Department that was created many, many decades ago specifically to break up companies like this. If they crush competition and they have an unfair advantage over other companies, that's called a monopoly. You don't punish the owner. You break up their company. It started way back when Teddy Roosevelt ran as a progressive, and he ran on a Bust the Trust campaign. I've told you this uh, before. He wrote Bust. He, he spoke around the, ran around the country. Bust the Trusts. Trusts were the big corporations. Standard Oil, U.S. Steel. Why? Because the geniuses who built those companies got too powerful and they crushed any little company that wanted to come along. So the government stepped in, busted the trust. Of course, Rockefeller was so smart that all he did was create 50 little Standard Oils. Instead of Standard Oil, uh, period, it was Standard Oil of New Jersey, Standard Oil of New York, Standard Oil of this state. That's a, so he created 50 little companies to get around it. That's what Zuckerberg would do. It'd be Facebook one, Facebook two, you know, hey, you know, you know, saying that's what they would do. You got to watch out which how smart some people are. Some people are too smart for their own good. But no, no, it's long overdue that we need to break the trust. The big ones, the big gigantic monopolies need to be broken up. You could argue. No, you could say that um, the guy who runs Amazon is so smart. He created the best company in the world and he should be rewarded for it. Would you argue that? Would you argue that a man should be so smart and so productive that stores are closing across America, that retail is dying across America because it's easier to buy on online. My books are sold by Amazon. Uh, all of my books are sold by Amazon. It's a great company. If I want to buy a, a new shirt or something, it's easier for me to go on Amazon than it is anywhere else. And Amazon Prime gets it to me in a, in a day. I don't know how they do it. How? How do they do it? It's an amazing company. But I see malls closing. I see Brown paper over store windows across San Francisco. Uh, there's a relationship between being too efficient and uh, killing off an industry, right? When I come back, I will take your calls on all the topics I've touched on and then some, maybe some surprises as well, right here on The Savage Nation. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. All right, let's face it. The president called Michael Savage on his cell phone yesterday, as I told you about at the beginning of the hour. And I'm not going to divulge what we talked about. It was very personal in some regard. But <clears throat> look, we know he's a politician. He understands the power of this program. And he also knows that the core audience of this show is his base. That doesn't mean there's no overlap. There is an overlap between my audience and others. But the core is in the Savage Nation. He also knows, as he said to me, Michael, you've been with me before I was elected. And it goes back to 2015 when he used to come on this show. We would talk about many things. Great stuff. He also knows he's going to be in a fight. I'm sure of it. He knows that he's going to be in a okay, look, look what the left is doing to him and their friends in the media, what they're doing to him. Uh, and so he needs every friend he can get. You're his friend. So you say, well, I don't like him because of this. I don't like him because of that. Well, then if you don't like him, what are you going to get? You're going to get a Sandinista-loving, Marxist-loving, Lenin-loving, Trotskyite, Bernie Sanders, a man who lauded some of the worst dictators in history, who says bread lines are a good thing, a man who saluted the Soviet Union in their worst period, a man who constantly bashes whites, Notice how he stopped, that devil. You notice that a few months ago, every other word out of his mouth was white male this, white male that, slavery. Every other day, slavery, white male no good, Jim Crow, 
Day and night, that's all he said. Day and night, Jim Crow, slavery, racial, this and that. Over and over, appeasing the African-American voter, which I don't know why he's doing that. They're going to vote for him anyway, by and large. If they voted all, they're going to vote for a Democrat. So why is he going out? Why was he alienating the entire white working middle class? Because he's a dumb communist from New York. Why? What, do you think he's a genius? He's a, a spitter from New York, the lowest kind. The rat in the family was him. Then someone talked to him and said, hey, schmuck, in order to win this election, you got to stop bashing the white working man. Make believe you like them, you putz. Now all of a sudden this new attack is something else. So Trump, if he faces Sanders, which could happen, I'll tell you what Trump's challenge is going to be, uh, to me, is not to attack him and crush him too quickly. or too. He could crush him like a bug. He could squash him like a, uh, a a mouse underneath his shoe. But if he does that, the the blowback would be bad for Donald Trump during a campaign. Let's say it's it's them those fighting. Because then he'd look like a bully picking on a poor old man who had a heart attack. So he's got to be careful. He can't rip Bernie Sanders. He's got to, he's got, to, look, I'll tell you right now, he's got to smother him with his own words. I'll tell you right now, he's got to take Bernie Sanders' old speeches as I'm doing today, and I will do them tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and play back his lauding of communist dictators and taking from those who have and give them, giving everything to those who are bums and have nothing. That's all. And crush him with his own rhetoric, but do not attack him too directly because he looks like a harmless old man. He is a devil, a dangerous serpent. Back in a minute. The Westwood One Podcast Network. Fans of the spoken word, welcome. This is a podcast. Greetings, pod recipients. You are entering the Savage Nation. Read the book, see the movie. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. So you're listening to The Savage Nation, the graduate school of political science, the Savage Graduate School of Political Science, where everyone gets an A in this seminar. Uh, don't be intimidated to voice your Opinion on any subject, whether I touched on it or not, 855-400-SAVAGE, 855-407-282. Here's some headline stories on michaelsavage.com. Bay Area gangs now robbing cars in L.A. Oh, this is a terrible story. We have a, a crime epidemic in San Francisco that's being swept under the rug because there's no newspaper. The newspaper's run by Pelosi and company. Not directly, you know, it's the Tammany Hall kind of thing. There is no news in San Francisco other than that which the Democrat Party releases. And the thieves are smashing windows, entering unlocked doors. They're ripping off luggage, shopping bags, valuables, mainly at tourist destinations. And now they're doing it in Los Angeles, and they're from the San Francisco Bay Area. They're traveling in rental cars to Southern California to commit these crimes against unsuspecting tourists at shopping centers, museums, and high-traffic areas. They scour parking lots and garages for out-of-state license plates. 
and they look at windshields for barcodes which indicate a rental car was uh, a rental car, and then they rip into it. You know what they're doing is they're getting around a certain law. Bay Area car burglars travel down the coast to snatch belongings from Los Angeles tourists, police say. And why are they doing this? Do you know how many there are in San Francisco, how many there were last year? They don't even prosecute them. Do you know why? There's a loophole in Governor Newsom's state law that makes it hard to obtain a conviction for auto burglary without proof that the car doors were locked. Do you hear how devious the lawyers are? In other words, if you didn't lock your door, they could just go in and steal your stuff. And also many tourists cannot return to testify. And so they may arrest some of them, 1%, and they they plead out and leave them uh, alone. The thefts have become an epidemic in the San Francisco Bay Area, a lucrative endeavor for gang members in Richmond, Oakland. Get that? Get the picture? So now they hit the road to Los Angeles. And in Los Angeles, these Bay Area crooks are breaking windows in crowded parking areas, even with surveillance cameras rolling. Do you understand this? Even when arrests are made, they come back and do it again because the courts have been given a basically hands-off on this. The LAPD's Wilshire Division, which includes popular tourist destinations such as the Grove, Beverly Center, Original Farmer's Market, museums along the Miracle Mile, recorded 1,968 car burglaries in 2019. That's a lot. In San Francisco, that's nothing. In Nancy Pelosi's backyard, there were over 40,000 that were reported last year. You cannot walk in a street in San Francisco without seeing broken car glass. Recently, the same crew from the Bay Area struck two vehicles in Beverly Hills, another 18 in the Sheriff's West Hollywood area. Why is this going on? Do you know that vehicle thefts are surging in California with 243,000 incidents recorded in 2018? That's well above the annual, the whole country has 223,000 for the previous eight years. 243,000 were reported in 2018 across California. And so this is because of liberalism, liberal laws passed by uh, all of the do-gooders out there who want to do good at your expense. Talk about oppressed minorities. They talk about unfairness. These people get the message. They get the message. You understand how this works? The DAs now, you know the new DA is in San Francisco took office this week? Mother was a jail terrorist, a, a, a member of like the, uh, the worst gang killed a cop. He's the new DA. You think it's going to get better or worse? That's all. So uh, all I can say to you is we were hit. My family was hit a few months ago. We went to a favorite Chinese restaurant out in San Francisco that we've been for 20, 30 years. Never a problem. Come out the back window, smashed in, everything stolen. Everything stolen. So I go in the restaurant and I said to him, what is it, Chinese gangs, the owner? I know the owner. I'm not ashamed to say it. He says, no, 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 not Chinese gang. No, no, not Chinese gang. They know who does it. No one can stop them. You know, this thing called the sacred cow in America. Get it? You know how that works? And then you get Bernie Sanders, right? Anyway, that's the country we're living in. So it's each man for himself. Each man for himself. Let's take some callers. Paul in Connecticut, line two. You're on the Savage Nation. What's on your mind? I miss Dr. Savage. Yes, sir. Yes, you've changed my political view. Um, I have been a Democrat since 1992, and um, 
the last election I voted for Donald Trump. I think he's doing a great job. And the surgical strike he did against that Iranian general, he deserved it. And I think we should keep on. And anybody, any Democrat that says that we're going to war doesn't know that we're already at war. Well, let, let me remind them, we've been at war since the Muslims blew up the Marine barracks. Have they forgotten that? Exactly, sir. Exactly. And I was going to bring that. And I'll take it back a little further. Uh, Some of the radical Muslims along the stripe of those in Iran have been at war with the world since 732 A.D., out to kill or convert the infidel. If they don't know their history, then they're morons who should not be speaking at all. Exactly. And uh, thank God we have a president who's strong and stands up to this, this terror, this religious terror. Thank you for the call. Eight five five. Ten thousand camels could be shot as they wander into communities searching for water amid drought. That's a horrible story. That's a terrible story. Bigot throws bottles at New York City grocery workers while yelling anti-Semitic slurs. Why is there such an outbreak of black versus Jewish crime in New York City? What's going on? Who's who's egging them on? I know I'm not supposed to say. You're supposed to speak in code. Okay, the headline here in the Daily News, bigot throws bottles at NYC while yelling anti-Semitic slurs. It's largely blacks attacking religious Jews. Why? Does anyone have an answer? I really would like to hear what the people have to say. No one's talking about it. What's going on in the poor African-American communities that's egging them on to attack, of all people, religious Jews, of all people, and most of them are very poor, the, the Jews who are being attacked are poor. Why? Who's telling them to do this? What's motivating the hate? Does anyone know? No one will call. See, this is the problem. Either you know, you, you have a, an opinion, but you won't say anything. You, you know, most people are afraid to call. I don't know what that's about. So that's okay. I'll do the talking. You do the walking. Uh, what else do you want to talk about? Uh, I, I'm trying to get you to call, so we'll take another call. Here. Melinda in Iowa, line three. Go ahead. You're on the Savage Nation. Yes, thank you, Dr. Savage, for taking my call. I am a mother with two children in elementary school, and it's very important to us to go to church on a weekly basis. Um, but, Dr. Savage, my heart is just kind of breaking right now. I consider myself very, um, pretty moderate on most things, although rather uh, probably conservative in most of my my voting and, and decisions at home here. But with the um, with our church right now, we're a Methodist um, looking to to kind of break into two factions i'm struggling with um how even religion itself seems to kind of follow social trends and uh what what two factions are they one more liberal than the other that is correct yes and what would the methodists who are super liberal want to do that they aren't currently doing well it would allow for clergy to be a uh, 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 homosexual and so then- here we go again again everywhere every door opens to the same subject Again, same subject. There we go again. H- how do you feel about that? Well, I, my husband and I, I, I want to. You were talking earlier about uh, uh, you know, breakdowns and uh, in, in schools and society and how we've lost God, and and I look at church and I look at the Ten Commandments as a structure, as as a form, you know, kind of a check and balance after. A week of uh, whatever comes your way. It's a place where we can kind of recenter our thinking. And um, I, I, I to me, it's the Ten Commandments. Those are the rules, and they apply to all religions. It's that simple. It can apply to a Buddhist, a Hindu, an atheist. 
You look at the Ten Commandments. Tell me what's wrong with any of them. Doesn't the child need a set of guidelines, red lights, green lights, yellow lights? Of course they do. Of course a child needs some guidance. They don't know what to think. And if you leave it to the atheistic schools, a child will wind up like a crazed animal. That's my opinion. I'm old school. That's all. My mother, you know, I don't come from religious people. I want to be very clear about it. I mean, you should know this. My father was from Russia. He was an atheist. He didn't believe in anything. No, it's sad, but true. He didn't practice religion at all. And uh, my mother, she was sort of reverential of God. I know she was. She would light the candles on Friday night, and I saw she knew that there was, you know, and the tragedy in our family. I know she prayed to God. So I got the message. You know, it's more like what they feel than what they say. I myself had a religious awakening in my life. Uh, several religious awakenings, including recently when I was in the emergency room. And uh, I don't have to prove to you what I believe. I don't have to sell you what I believe. What does it matter what I believe? See, this is the thing. I'm just a talk show host. That's all. Take it for what it is. I'm just a talk show host with a large audience, large enough that the President of the United States would bother calling me for 12 minutes yesterday in the middle of what what he has to do. So what does it matter whether I believe in God or not to you? It doesn't matter. It's a, it's a reference point to the discussion that we're having about w- wider topics. That's all. But, uh, you know, it's a big topic in many ways. I wrote God, Faith, and Reason because of this. Because I've been searching for God my whole life. Did I ever find him? The invisible God? Mm, I don't have any pictures to show you. Any? Can I post a picture on Twitter of uh, my conversation with God? No. God's invisible. This is an interesting con- 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 uh, um, concept of, of an invisible God because prior to the advent of the monotheistic religion of Judaism and then the, the religions that followed, namely Christianity and Islam, which are monotheistic religions as well, which believe in the one true God, people were worshiping stones, pebbles, bird feathers, period blood of a pig, uh, a newt, they worshipped anything, a rainbow, much like Marin County. Uh, they were they were they were idol worshippers. So what's the difference? You say, what do you care whether someone worships an idol or worships God? I don't care. Do you understand? I don't care what you worship or you don't. It doesn't matter to me what you do. You have to come to your own terms. But why do I make it an issue? Because the nation's melting down into a pool of a cesspool without God. This nation was far better off when there were the Ten Commandments in schools, when people did fill those little churches around the country on Sunday. There was a stability. The family was stronger. People knew which way was up and which way was down. They knew what was right and they knew what was wrong. It did not matter that some didn't follow all the laws, that secretly they may have done this or may have done that. But according to the deviants in Hollywood, everyone was not following the Ten Commandments. They were all lying and cheating behind the scenes. That's a lie. That's a big fat lie put out by the Weinstein type, that everyone was a liar in those days. You know, think, think of the 50s, the conformist 50s. You know, the little house with the white picket fence. Meanwhile, you're supposed to believe that the father secretly had a boyfriend on the other side of town, and the mother was doing the mailman, according to the Harvey Weinstein School of Morality. That's not true. That's not true. To the 99th percentile, people followed their moral laws 
in the 50s, to the 99th percentile. But according to the movie business, to the 99th percentile, they're all hypocrites. So the nation now is, is a result melting down where you have a site called Grinder, where a man goes on, meets another guy, and he winds up strapped to a wall, dead with his testicles cut off and, 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 eat, and cooked and eaten. What does one thing have to do with the other? I think you can figure it out. You cannot live in a society without any moral basis and have a society. It melts down, and it becomes a nothing society. I'll be right back. The Savage Nation. It's savage on demand. We are talking about a lot of topics, and, um, and we've got a lot of calls, by the way, all of a sudden. You know, this is how it is. So um, I think the best thing for me to do is just go to the callers right now. Uh, one of the big topics seems to be why are blacks in New York particularly attacking religious Jews? You know, I'm, ri- I'm ripping the, the scab off this this big subject here because you hear the word teens and this. They're, they're sweeping it under the rug. But what's it about? Can someone explain it to me? Uh, <clears throat> explain it to me. And then we're talking about religion and politics, uh, things like that. Doug in California, line four, your opinion counts. Go ahead, please. Hello. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, the thought that comes to mind is when you say black, that's a generalized statement. You can't say black. Maybe it's black people, but they're of a particular mindset, probably Islamic. And uh, they're taught to hate Jews. Uh, uh, wait, wait, hold on now. Let, let's break this down. The epidemic of crimes in New York, you think most of the African-Americans who were attacking religious Jews were trained to hate Jews in the, in, the, in the mosques? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not arguing with you. I'm asking. Like I said, I started the conversation with this speculation, but I would guess that that's part of it. Well, the, wait, the black Hebrew sect is not Islamic. They're, they're not Islamic at all, and yet they uh, actually committed a murder in, in, in New Jersey. So I don't know that it fits across the board. Is there something deeper here? What is it? I think we should explore it. Back in a minute. Michael Savage, a host like no other. It's very hard to summarize today's show in a single phrase or this. What are we talking about? I mean, we're going to call the podcast The President Calls Michael Savage, personal call. But there's a lot more that we're talking about. And I asked, who do you think will be the Dem nominee? The communist Sanders, the mean-faced Warren, Ukraine Joe. That got some calls. But what's really lighting up the lines is why are, or what explains the epidemic of uh, black attacks on religious Jews in New York City? And one I called and said it's... It, it's mainly Muslims who were trained in mosques to hate Jews. I suppose there's an element to that, but the black Hebrew sect is not Muslim. So where they come from, they actually killed. What's it about then? Here's a caller from Brooklyn. Maybe Nathan can answer it. Nathan in line four, go ahead, please. What's your answer? Yes, I, I would say that a lot of this is due to the, the, um, the landlords here, by and large being Jewish, many of them, and the, the black people, and they're not Muslim. They're black Americans like myself. And many of them are very angry at it, and they probably hear their parents complaining about the landlord, and they take it out on the Jewish people, and they tend to be very successful. I'm right here in Crown Heights. Uh, wow. Oh, so you live there. Right. I'm right on Franklin. Well, you're, you're in the heart of the—you're ground zero for this epidemic. And a lot of these- so are a lot of the slum housing or the poor housing owned by, by Orthodox Jews? 
right? If you if you ever heard of Letitia James, she's suing Donald Trump, President Trump. Uh, she has a list of the worst landlords in in New York City. Well, uh, maybe 19 out of 20 are Jewish landlords, and I'm not blaming this on Jewish people. No, I I actually hear what you're saying. You're not blaming the victim because many of the people being attacked are not the landlords themselves. Right, right. So, so you're saying a lot of these people are going out and looking for a target that looks like the landlord. Is that it? Well, and it may not just be the landlord. Again, like the Jewish people uh, are very successful, let's say, in, in the Section 8 housing, and that they will own the buildings, and then they'll put their people there. Um, and, you know, I, again, I've been a landlord for a long time. And Wait, you yourself were a landlord? I am a landlord, yes. And you are African-American? Yes. Wow. So you really know what the hell you're talking about. Right, 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 right. And so you're saying a lot of the Orthodox Jews are big in the Section 8 business? Section, Section 8, that's funny. The Section 8 business? Right, but they only rent to themselves. And so they may only be... Oh, so they get they get the government right and then they only rent to each other. Right, but above and beyond that, they may own a business. So they may have a, a relative or you know a fellow Jewish person working there and maybe he's paying under the table. And these people are living in Williamsburg in nice areas, right? And, mm. you know... Maybe they're paying a little on the table, but they're living subsidized by way of the government. And there's articles in the paper about how the Jewish people are very organized, and they'll go to, you know, upstate New York and get the vouchers and then bring them back to the city here and use them. The black people aren't organized enough to do that. And so, you know, in a very expensive city, and you're fighting over a very finite resource, and the Jewish people are very organized, they have a strong sense of family, you know, and, you know, it's combustible. It's very combustible. You know what the hell you're talking about, Nathan. I could see how you became a landlord. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, how many years did you work to buy your first rental property? Uh, well, uh, I'm a landlord in Washington, D.C., so I probably worked. I bought my first house at 21 uh, in Alabama, but now all of my properties are in Washington, D.C., so probably giving myself away here. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not asking for any personal details. How would you rate yourself politically? Just as a side note, would you say you're more... Uh, conservative or liberal politically <laughs> you know what uh, I, i'm a very very strong donald trump uh supporter i spent the election uh in the trump hotel there in dc <laughs> oh, oh don't let anyone know about that well you you as a landlord know how dangerous the left really can be towards property owners i mean you know it oh yeah, oh, yeah. very very much so the laws that they're passing effectively almost transfer ownership to the tenants in many of these cases uh, you yeah, know, look in San Francisco. It's a nightmare to own a building and try to rent to anybody. And right, and that's another aspect of it. In that, you know, if you're a landlord and they're more Jewish, right? And you know, I, I, I've done some of the similar tactics. You get someone that doesn't want to pay you, and you have a hell of a hard time getting them out. Well, you know, we are men here. You know what comes next when you spent blood, sweat, and tears trying trying to own a property, and then you have someone taking advantage of it. Oh, we all know. We've seen it in the movies. The the muscle comes in. <laughs> the they, they bring it. They in the early early days, the Russians were doing the dirty work. Who's doing it now? Well, you know, everyone's doing. It. If you're a landlord in one of these cities, New York, D.C., San Francisco, like you're going, you, either you're going to be the most, or you're going to be put out of business. And you know, in D.C., I've heard cases where they. they so it's economic. At the end of the day, you think that underneath it all is it? It's an economic strife that's causing this, this, uh, this craziness. Right. These liberals here, they think that they're going to pass laws to make it somehow advantageous for a landlord to rent to a poor person. But even when the poor people have the money, it, it, it's the, 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 the things that they do in their properties, the way that they live, 
like no one's going to take the money. You know, I, I've, I've been, yes, they trashed the property in, in plain English. And they're they tra- well, look, how, by the way, talking of San Francisco, 400 restaurants went out of business in 2019. 400. So they say, well, it's, it's the rent. It's not the rent. It's the, the anti-business climate in San Francisco. It, it's the taxation in San Francisco. It's the bums being able to come in and uh, harass customers, crap in a doorway in San Francisco. These are the social issues related to liberalism, the mental disorder that we all have to face up to. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing here. You know, you can, you know, if you can beat up a police officer and be out of jail the same day, God. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's right. Man. The French used to say the, the, the respect, uh, the fear of law, the fear of, what is it? The fear of law is the beginning of wisdom. That's a takeoff of the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The French used to say the fear of the police is the beginning of wisdom. Well, that's no longer true in liberal cities. No one's afraid of the cops anymore because of what, frankly, Obama started the, the uh, tearing down of the police in this country. You know, I see it, I see it all the time. You know, not only did he uh, tear down the, the, the police, but he also tore down the schools. And where these schools, you know, have created Trayvons, where they can't be suspended, they can't yes. be disciplined. And yes. you, you have people who... Oh, yeah, they could punch a teacher and get away with it today. You know, and, and, and you have people like myself who may want to have a family, may want to send the kids to public school, but you can't afford it, right? And... No, you can't afford to send them to a public school because the kid's going to come out a, a, a loser. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, you're a really great caller. I mean, you really uh, broke broke the uh, the code here. I didn't really know that. I heard about it. I'm not really that knowledgeable about who owns what. And you yourself, being a landlord, come to it from a whole different point of view. Thanks for that call. You get an A today in the Savage Seminar because actually I should get the A for listening to you. I <laughs> thank you for calling the program. That was a great call. You never would expect it, right? I think he answered the whole the whole story. Let's go to a different topic on the uh, Savage Nation. And I don't know what this one's about. Ralph in San Francisco, thank you for calling. What's on your mind? Yeah, hi, Dr. Savage. I just wanted to comment on your uh, thoughts surrounding believing in God and, and coming to know God. And uh, I'm a Christian uh, by faith. But by philosophy, uh, I belong to the Tao Te Ching, which is a 2,500-year-old philosophy written by Lao Tzu. And uh, what- Well, I read Lao Tzu in translation in the small uh, Cliff Notes version through my years of traveling the, the, the world of books. But how does Lao Tzu guide you in your everyday life? Well, Lao Tzu says that the uh, Tao is a uh, principle... Uh, by which process unfolds, and the creation is the process. So the only thing you have is principle and process. And the Tao is the law or the principle that guides all things in the universe. And so if you can come to know process, how things work, then you can come to know God. Well, does the Tao mean the middle way? In, in rough translation, the Tao mean the middle way? Uh, Tao, the, the, the Tao, or, or the way, is the principle or the law, the natural law that causes all things to happen and unfold the way they happen. And uh, So wait, so hold it. Hold it. Uh, you could say the Tao is truth then. No, you can't name the Tao because you can't describe it because it's not a thing. It's a principle. It's a law. And you can, because it applies to all things... Wait, wait. Hold it. So you're saying it's an invisible law? 
Tao is the principle or the law by which all things unfold. But what is the law? Law is what causes everything to happen, the world to turn, uh, someone to call into your radio show. So what, it's an invisible force? It's just the natural way that everything unfolds. It can't be... Yeah, but it's so vague, there's no rules, no one could understand what you're saying. Okay, let me put it another way. Let me cut it, come at it from another way. Let's say a man is a Jew or a Christian, and they believe in an invisible God. At least they have the Ten Commandments to follow to know whether they're adhering to God's rules. What, what do you follow to know that you're adhering to the, the law of the Tao? So the, the, the rules and the laws are man-made. They weren't not, they're not a formation of natural law. They didn't just appear out of nothing. Um, and so the way that the sun goes up in the morning and goes down at night, that is the natural law by which all things work. Well, so that's, how does that differ from, from paganism? What, you're worshiping the sun? You're not worshiping anything. You're just going with the flow. Whether you're here or not, whether you have one opinion or not, the leaves are going to come out on the trees this coming spring. That's, that's right. Like I posted a picture on Twitter two days ago of about a million birds uh, on San Francisco Bay, they appear every January because the herring come into the bay. That's a law. I, see, I follow nature very closely, and it puts me in tune with what you're talking about in a certain way. Would you agree with that? Tides, for example. The tides come in and the tides go out, and taking out Soleimani isn't going to change the tides. Well, that's because the tide of Islam and radical Islam is that of uh, conversion. Exactly. And so in terms of the tide of radical Islam has not changed. There's been many calls for reformation. There has been no reformation. Christianity went through a reformation in the Middle Ages and became a kinder, gentler religion. Islam has not gone through the reformation. Many have called for it. And the Muslims who do are usually ostracized or killed. And so since we're talking about rules or laws or natural order of things, uh, when we're playing by one set of rules, and someone else is playing by another set of rules, uh, you, you're on an uneven playing field. And so uh, it's very difficult for us to figure out how to handle this situation. But I right. That's exactly why Trump is the right man in the right place, because no one can figure out what he's going to do next. I agree. You see what I'm saying? In other words, they thought that we were a beaten nation, that our religion and our social world would constrain the president, they had him figured out, and yet he, out of nowhere, uh, violated their, their sense of, of uh, control. So now they're the ones who are now trying to figure out what to do next, not him. They're it's very interesting. So how, how does this all play out? I don't know. Does anyone know the answer to that? Back in a minute. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. All right, well, look. Show's coming to an end right now. It's the end of hour number two. If you missed the opening or any part of the first hour or the second hour, you can catch the Savage Nation podcast for this show and any of the other shows. There's 134 episodes of my podcast. That's an awful lot to ask of you, but they're really they're replays without ads, basically, except ads for the podcast. And they're found on uh, michaelsavage.com, Apple, all the other places where you get podcasts. People love them, and uh, that's how you can catch the whole show. So who do you think will be the nominee? That's what I'd like to know. Uh, California, Tyler, Line 5, who do you think will uh, be the Dem nominee? Uh, hey, Doctor, uh, nice to speak with you again. Uh, I like Yang for the nominee. 
actually. I mean, I don't think he'll realistically get it, but uh, I think he should. And be a good... Didn't he drop out? Is he still in? Oh, yeah, he's still in. He's He's been in all the debates. Well, what's with giving money away? Where where'd that come from? Um, you know what? Yeah. How, how did how did Yang make his money? What did he make it in? Oh, uh, there, there's not there's not a poor man on the stage for the all of the lovers of of poverty up there on the Democrat side. They're all rich. How'd that happen? You know what? I think the dividend could be a good idea if we had the border under control and if we possibly you know deported a bunch of people. I think the freedom dividend could potentially be a good idea. So you should just give people money for nothing. So, so in other words, when I went to high school and I worked a job after school in a, in a soda fountain, or I was a busboy in the summer to save money for college, I shouldn't have been a busboy. I shouldn't have been a waiter. The government should have just given it to me for nothing. I mean, it would, it would demotivate me, frankly. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. I don't agree. I don't think the government should give handouts. I'm against welfare. Welfare was never intended to be a lifestyle. It was meant to be a, a, a stopgap measure against those who were going to starve. Uh, welfare has become an institution, uh, an institutional lifestyle rather than a stopgap measure. So, no, I wouldn't say giving things out for free is a good answer. It's never worked. It never will work. There's an old adage. And the poor man comes to the rich man and says, can you give me a grant? Can you give me a this? Can you give me a that? The rich man says, I will give you a fishing rod, not a fish. The poor man has to figure that out, which is he's teaching you to go out and fish, not to eat the fish he gives you. Or let's look at it another way, the natural order, the natural kingdom of animals. I know we're not animals, but we are animals. Man has been called the naked ape. So let's say we're the naked ape. Look out on the, on the bay wherever you live, the waterways. So there's thousands of birds that go out fishing for the herring when they come in the bay. What if there were a bunch of birds that didn't go out for the herring? They didn't want to get wet. And they just sat on the, on the shore in the sun. What should they tell the cormorants to bring them back a herring? They want it with uh, cream cheese and a, and a bialy with the herring? What animal would bring the animal that sits on the side in the sun, drying his feathers, a herring to eat? It's unheard of in the natural order. We had a call about the natural order. The order that we're living in is a very unnatural order right now. And, um, okay, we're not animals. We're human beings. We're supposed to be better than, than animals, are we? Do I have to go back to the Grinder website or do I have to go back to Harvey Weinstein to say to you that we may not be better than the animals? We may be worse. In fact, we are crazier than most animals. In fact, we may be the craziest animal of all animals on the planet. So how do you fix this? I guess you can fix it by hating the other party or hating the other religion or hating the other sex or hating the conservative, or hating the liberal. That doesn't fix anything. What fixes it? It's kind of what the man was saying. The Tao, the middle way, or if you want to put it in a more Judeo-Christian manner, following the Ten Commandments, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. To me, that one law or statement applies to every religion on earth, with the exception of one, which has not yet gone through a reformation. They say, do the other before he does you. And then do them again. This is the Savage Nation. Thanks for listening. The Westwood One Podcast Network.